1: Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. My name is Rock Thomas. I'm the host of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. And you might be wondering, why do I do this every single week? Why do I interview people and talk about the importance of money? Well, I'm here to help you create financial freedom and fulfillment, the whole life millionaire. If you're working harder than ever before and not seeing any progress, you're not alone. If you don't have a supportive environment or network to raise your personal standards of success, you're not alone. But I would like to invite you to jump on a call with somebody on my team so you can change all of that. Just head over to rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call and learn how you can take your life and business to the next level by being in the right environment, surrounded by the right people and with the right strategies. So go ahead, rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call, and let's start taking your life to the next level today. And I have a very special international guest with us today. Brian Walsh is considered a leading authority on entrepreneurship and human behavior. He is the founder of The Real Entrepreneur, a private research and education organization dedicated to empower entrepreneurs to live a life of true wealth and freedom, and of course, Meaning, what is the life without real true meaning? Brian is a self-made millionaire with a multi-million dollar business, which influences the lives of millions of entrepreneurs in over 140 countries. Come on, Brian. And he has spoken live to hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs from all over the world. Welcome to rock your money, rock your life, Brian. Oh, it's great to be with you, Rock. Yeah, so, you know, uh, a lot of times I, I get the opportunity to talk to people from North America and people that are very, um, you know, on this side of the continent. Uh, for those of you that uh, can't see the shirt that uh, Brian is wearing, is that a uh,
0: F1? What is that? Yeah, that's a Formula One. I was actually just in the shop and somebody said, do you work for Red Bull? And I was like, no, I was actually buying Red Bull. So it's quite ironic. But I'm like, yeah, we, myself and some of my team were in Singapore in 2019 before COVID hit and we were at the, the F1 there. So I don't even support um, Red Bull, but the shirt's really nice. You support it if you're going to the store buying it. <laughs> this is true. That's just because they didn't have any Ferrari, you know, full full sort of shirt right. uh, styles. Right. Well, looks very cool. I like
1: it. So... You are very passionate about helping entrepreneurs and I always look like entrepreneurs, like it's like a sport, right? You got to show up, you got to play full out, you got to adapt, you have to pivot, you have to play on the team with injuries, you got to move things around. So tell us a little bit about what makes you so great at helping entrepreneurs. So
0: I think, I mean, so interestingly, we, 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 when COVID hit, we kind of moved away from just working with entrepreneurs to working with a much broader market. But I mean, 60 to 70% of the people that come into our summits and what have you are still, you know, entrepreneurs. And of course, with the shifts in the world, more people have had to look at self-employment uh, rather than calling entrepreneurship in reality, um, you know, as an option because of what's happened globally. Um, for me, it was all just about growing up with a dad who sacrificed a lot, including connections with us, and his, my mother, his previous wife, his five wives in total, because business was to him the most important thing. And then, you know, interestingly enough, two things. Number one, he actually created personal financial, like he created a personal fortune three times in his life. And then reinvested it into business instead of investing it more intelligently into places that were given financial freedom. And I mean, he's a highly intelligent man. I always used to say, I would talk about him on stage and I would say, like, like no one taught him, you know, h- how to create wealth because as a businessman, he knew how to do business, but he didn't know how to take the money and reinvest it in clever places. And then I was sitting with him a couple of years ago and I told him, This is what I tell people. He said, No, that's rubbish. I said, what? He said, "He said no, I mean, you remember Rob, you know, one of my friends, he's worth like 100 million euros. He, he 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 told me when I cashed out of one of my public companies, give me a chunk of the money, Jack, and I'll invest it into, you know, the property portfolios I have. And, you know, there was a the, the chairman of the Johannesburg Stock Exchange was, um, you know, was the chairman of one of our companies. And he was like, you know, you know telling my father invested into stocks. And he, so not only did he get taught, he had incredibly good people to help him. And I don't know why he still, you know, he still sort of says because he lost it all, Rock. You know, I mean, he lives comfortably, but I mean, like a fraction of what he could have lived. Um, and to to create a personal fortune three times, I mean, that's unheard of, you know, from business itself, just through profits of business. Um, and then to go and sabotage it, obviously for some psychological reason, and get himself into a situation where. You know, he, he lives OK, like I said, but not remotely how he should have or could have. And he's 83 today and he has a lot of regret. And it's interesting that a whole story from a child witnessing him not really being there for us emotionally while our mother was a severe alcoholic and, and died eventually from it and things like that. But always knowing, you know, I admired him as an entrepreneur. Um, Not as a father, ironically, at the beginning. And so I guess, you know, I started at a young age, I didn't know anything better. I was ADD, I sucked at school, I couldn't get any tertiary education. So I started my first business at 16. Um, But I sucked. I mean, I just made mistake after mistake. You know, this is not even true. I didn't make mistake after mistake. I just manifested failure after failure. I would do the right things, and this is the craziest thing we learn as entrepreneurs, you know, that simply doing the right things doesn't guarantee you success. You have to become the right person. So my, you know, massive lack of self-esteem and my big issues and unresolved factors and everything were all party to me living up to the expectation of the subconscious level of what what I expected, which was to fail. And so even though I did the right things, I would still fail. And I think that's where you know, the bug sort of got me because I didn't start to teach entrepreneurs for everyone else for some altruistic reason. I thought like, man, there's got to be a better way to do this. And, you know, I spent like 15 years studying entrepreneurship, trying to figure out how to play the game properly myself. And I actually got to a stage of teaching it correctly because people, you know, because I worked with the top people around the world, but I didn't manifest it still in my own life until, you know, only... I really now can say I'm, I live a life of real entrepreneur where you kind of find that balance between wealth creation, you know, meaning in life and freedom and being able to do the things that you love. But for a long time, I stood on stages feeling like a bit of a farce, although as a teacher, it's not that you have to, you know, like a coach doesn't have to be the best player in the team or best player in the sport. But still, it, like it eats away in your head when you're teaching stuff, and especially when people are achieving results based on what you're teaching, but you're not. So this was, a I'm 50 now, this is a long journey from you know, a childhood witness in this, going through this process, wanting to help entrepreneurs, but really, I think ultimately all for our own gain first, and then we can more effectively help others when we can you know, illustrate through our own um, exemplification that, that you can live a particular life. Wow.
1: You said a lot there. So I want to unpack some of that for the listeners (laughs) because you, you went over basically your money blueprint, the -hmm. learning of it from witnessing monkey see, monkey do. Um, your father probably had some unconscious self-sabotaging, uh, experiences. You said he had five
0: wives. He was married five times, divorced four and widowed once. And, uh, yeah, there's, so there's strong,
1: strong prob- probability that he had fear of intimacy, which meant that he probably felt some, some level of, a feeling of abandonment and then self sabotaged himself in the process. You witnessed that your mother was an alcoholic, so you didn't have the greatest role models. You went out there, worked your ass off and modeled some of it and then taught some of it, but at the same time had some incongruencies because you were teaching, but you hadn't yet achieved it, which by the way, happens to a lot of us, myself included, I've taught things that I'm still, you know, trying to learn, but at the end of the day, entrepreneurship is an inner journey, right? And it manifests itself on the outside, but so many people, I think put on this, you know, this look good face, social media is really good at that. And everybody wants to look good. But when I dig down deep, most people's lives are pretty messed up in some area, right. Maybe they have their finances in shape, but their health is atrocious or their health is really good. And they're running triathlons, but they're never home because they're running away from something. So the journey of rock your money rock, your life is about what is our relationship with money? What is money? And it's interesting that you said, Brian, that, you know, your father, was not a good investor. He was good at maybe making it, but the decisions he made around investing was not that great. And I did that for the first 50 years of my life till eight years ago, you know, I, I poured in my businesses, my earnings into stocks and into friends ventures, like literally a gold mine in Australia. My brother <laughs> a quarter of a million dollars, never saw it again, $110,000 to my best friend who went to the Caribbean with an idea and And so I kept on perpetuating. What I grew up with was working on a farm and my inner narrative was life is difficult. You have to work hard. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You work hard, you make a bunch of money, you give it to people that don't respect it and didn't work for it and then they waste it so you can continue to work hard Mm -hmm. because that's your identity. So in this journey, it's a lot about talking about what is the identity and there are people out there that have this thing where they just believe life is not that difficult. And, you know, I'm, I met this one person through Tony Robbins. She was a model actually. And back in the early two thousands, she says, I just put all my money, in Apple stock and I meet her five years later and I go, so what did you do with that money? Did you sell it? She goes, no, I just left it there. I saw her three years ago. I said, what'd you do? She goes, I still have it all in Apple stock. How do you think <laughs> she's doing right?
0: Probably she, has a, yeah.
1: she has a different belief. She's a multi, 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 multi-millionaire, and she, I'm not gonna say she's just a model, but she's a model that mm-hmm. took what she earned and put it into one thing because she had this belief life is pretty easy and whatever. So, so how now have you pivoted? What do you think your identity
0: with money is? I think, um, I mean, let's be, let me be honest. I think, you know, I still have my challenges. I still work around different factors. I think there's two aspects to money. The one is the flow. Um, I think I had one of those classic kind of, I shouldn't earn more than my father kind of, you know, subconscious, you know, belief systems. Um, and I knew 50 was a critical time because that's when he had achieved the pinnacle of his financial goals. So I thought, if I just get over 50, I can let go of that stuff, which seems to have been the case because I've managed to manifest a lot more money in life. And I've definitely, you know, systematically become more profit centric, particularly through business with the purpose of investing, um, I have unlike my dad, I'm, I understand the model a lot better. So I have a lot of really good advisors to, you know, to make sure I invest sensibly, because we're not always the best ourselves. And we definitely shouldn't be giving it to our friends, as you learned. And, you know, my dad reinvested into business, that's all he knew, although he was told other things, he just thought, well, if I've got, you know, $2 million, let me just put it into another business and buy a whole lot of companies out and make that work. And he was good at making things work. But business is never guaranteed. You're always going to make a stumble every now and again. It doesn't matter how good you are. So if you, you know, you, you, you can't. And so what he would never really do is manifest like an environment where he would lose all that money. And, you know, eventually your age catches up with you and it, it becomes difficult to do again. And to him, it was a failure. I always tell him, you're, you know, you started 62 businesses, right? And, I, and I, like many of them were not failures, you know, it's the big ones that he kind of reinvested in the wrong place. But I say to him, your knowledge is probably worse. I mean, that man can talk about so many aspects of, you know, partnering with major multinational corporations to, you know, I mean, he set up diamond companies at the sea, he set up, you know, furniture companies. He wasn't fishing for years. He's just like, it's crazy. I also spent the first, you know, 15 years of my life in digital media and music industry and publishing in all different types of companies. But I mean, the truth is I witnessed him make money And I get a lifestyle because of it. I never made the money initially, so clearly there was a blockage even beyond that, which was related to something to that effect. Now, making the money is something I've definitely feel like that ceiling's been broken in terms of we're actually kind of surprised how much money we're making, how much profit we make. Now, the real question is whether that behavior can transcend into taking as much of that money and putting it away and doing it consistently. And it's interesting because. You know, when we're notorious spenders, and boy, I'm a notorious spender. It's amazing how the craziest things materialize for things to spend money on. That you, you know, like these unexpected expenses, and that still shows an, an imbalance in a way, in my in my opinion. You know, until you find a place where there's where you can budget and actually manage that comfortably without having these like weird things come in. For me, the weird things are small and very manageable, but um, but they're still there. So I think the key thing is. The break in the ceiling of earning was definitely a big challenge, which I overcome. And then I have in, in, in a partnership in my business now. My sort of, uh, you know, junior partner is very involved. And we both very profit-centric. He was actually a student of mine for years. And so we're now playing the game. And in entrepreneurship, it's about playing the game of, of budgeting, of forecasting, of, of you know, of analyzing your results on a regular basis, of understanding your finances and maximizing profitability. I might not be the best at saving myself to wealth, which is something most people should do, at least to a degree. But um, I could probably do what my father did, which is make millions. And then the question is, yeah, my dad's still alive? And he's like, you better not repeat the mistakes. <laughs> I said, well, dad, I hope I won't. And that's what I hope you get to witness. Because, you know, it would be nice to know that I, you know, I could accumulate a few million dollars like in a year uh, in, in proper, safe investments that are never going to be touched that are going to give me financial freedom. And I think, you know, it's a subtle difference, really. Um, but the bigger challenge for me was really to be able to consistently earn a lot of money to become profitable. And, um, and that was, it's a challenge for 90% of entrepreneurs out there. You know, they, they survival businesses, they're survivalists. they not, they don't really understand the concept of profit and dividends and stuff like that.
1: Well, there's a great book called profit first. And it basically teaches the principle of the richest man in Babylon, which is yeah. pay yourself first to profit in the company, the same way you should pay yourself first in your individual life, and then use the rest to live off of. We are unfortunately taught to be consumers when we grow up and therefore we're like, Oh, I make this money. I'm going to go to dinner on Friday and get a $200 bottle of wine. I'm going to have a good time. I deserve it. And I don't really love my job. So I deserve to have a break on the weekend and then we don't save properly. So in my world, I teach people increase your earn, decrease your burn and invest the rest and don't Mm -hmm. wait to buy real estate Buy real estate and wait because it's a cash flowing vehicle. And if you think about it, if we were taught in my early twenties, and some people are going to be upset when I say this, instead of spending hundred thousand dollars on your college degree, you took that hundred thousand dollars and you bought real estate at an early age in your twenties. And you just let it sit there. I bought a piece of real estate 21 years ago it cost. It was $125,000 down. I bought it for $781,000. Today it's worth 5 million. I have 3.5 million equity in it and I make $20,000 a month and I don't have to do anything. Now, is that is that a $100,000 education where you're going to go out and get yourself a $50,000 a year job or $100,000 in a piece of real estate where 20 years later, you never have to work again a day in your life. Which mm-hmm. one's better, right? So I say do both, right? Fight to yeah. do both. But the way you do it, is you got to have the discipline for delayed gratification where you just drive a simple car live in a little apartment live in a room house hack share a house with four other people live below your means for a short period of time and get those cash flowing assets behind you so that then brian if you want to experiment as an entrepreneur and start your own podcast or whatever you want to do you have that churning in the background that cash flow coming out every day that you can live off of don't you find mm-hmm. that that makes
0: strategy no it's it's is the strategy i think i mean you know in 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 context i mean The entrepreneurial market, you know, the people that are trying to develop businesses, firstly, like we said, everyone's stuck in the survivalist mentality. So you can double your, you know, everyone focuses on earning. So you can double your earning, but you just double your spend. I mean, there's so many ways to spend money. I don't don't think many people will ever reach the capacity of how much money they could spend, either on lifestyle or through business, because it shouldn't be something we aim to do, you know, because it should be a different equation. But I think the key thing is, you know, that, that people, People, so if you look at concepts like values, right? So I'm a great fan of Dr. Dimartini and we talk about values. And, and what I noticed working with a lot of entrepreneurs, coaching them, that a lot of them had a value on business. But as as you know, if you know it, the values really come from voids. Now, the void we witness often in our parents or friends or people that are close to us that that struggle and suffer or sacrifice because of business. The void we actually feel we think is the lack of success in business when the truth is, if you actually look at the origin of it, it's the lack of financial independence. It's the lack of ability to create a business that leads to financial independence. So these people, I've got a number of students who, similar to my father, their parents made a fortune. But then they blew the fortune, they didn't know how to use it, or they didn't know what to do with it, or they reinvested it into a high risk business. And, you know, this is a, an interesting equation, because I actually want to talk to John about it. It's like, if the void is actually in a way misinterpreted, because we think success in business is making a business successful. Like, the truth is, a business must just be profitable. You can do a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar turnover a year, but you're making fifty thousand dollars, you know, profit after tax. Like you're cruising. You know, that can go straight into investments if you if you don't need it beyond your own lifestyle. I think the key thing is. There's, a, there's almost an imbalance and there's a myth about owning a business. And, you know, we all know this, that, you know, as an experienced entrepreneur, we know the pain, the suffering. The, oh, my goodness. Why would people recommend this to other people? But the truth is, at the end of the day, if you get it right, which is such a small percentage of people and you manage to generate you know, millions in net profit, even then people make the mistake of going to do stupid things with that money. And that's a blessing that few ever get to experience. Because you know, we should do it as you say, the model of just constantly and, and creating that lifestyle and living within, you know, on 60% of your, your net outcome and invest in a good percentage of what you do. And I mean, we all know, go back to if we were 20 and doing this, you know, how wealthy we'd be by the time we are age now. You know, the truth is at the end of the day, that's all great and easy to talk about. But what what what's scary is whether when people make like a few million dollars in profit and then they go and sabotage that. And so I mean, you know, Rock, it's all about the mind game, it's all about getting okay. this right, because everything else on the outside just becomes a manifestation of that.
1: I've got a couple of things to add to that. I just read recently that Elon Musk said that, um, you know, what would you say to encourage an entrepreneur? And he said, if an entrepreneur needs to be encouraged, don't be an I entrepreneur. <laughs> right. So yeah. There's that, that hunger to overcome all the obstacles that, that is is set somewhere inside, right? Mm. The second part I would say to add on to what you said is I think that, um, net worth is very closely associated to self-worth. 100%. We all have this fear that we're not enough. And so we think that if we build all these businesses and make this profit and have so many employees, people measure their own self-worth in different ways. I have 200 employees. I have, you know, this, this many houses or what have you, but it's all to cover up our not enoughness. And so I really believe that when we truly start to deal with our not enoughness, then the universe goes, oh, they're doing that inside work. They're comfortable with abundance. They feel good. They're contributing. They're flowing. The word currency, right, comes from the word current, which is to flow, which is to earn money and then to give it back. When you're comfortable with that, then all of a sudden the opportunities come to you. And I have recently done a lot of work and I can tell you personally that, um, you know, knock wood, but my investments have gone through the roof last year and the beginning of this year, my businesses are flourishing, people are coming to me, people are knocking on the door, asking to, you know, sell my products, offer me things. It's just like, I finally kind of feel like I'm getting the and peeling back those inner layers. And so that to me is crucially important is, What are you doing? You know, because you were programmed by your father, just like I was. And I, one of the things I do when I work with people, Brian, is I ask them, what did you learn from your parents? And what did you not learn? And I'll tell you, one of the things I did not learn. And I wonder if it's the same for you is I did not learn intimacy from my father.
0: Hmm.
1: I did not learn how to be present. And so I had trouble in my relationships because as soon as the women wanted to get really close and really intimate and really vulnerable, I found a way to sabotage
0: it. I think you and I are kindred spirits. I mean, I heard some of your story before, but like what you just said, there's 100 percent. Correct. And, and we don't actually realize how that inability for something like that, which you think, what's that got to do with money? It's like, it's got everything to do with flow. It's got everything to do with an understanding of abundance. You know, money is not just the, the tangible context of it. It's the, it's the ability. I mean, if you said it's self-worth, 100%. You know, so to me, I always know I had a low self-worth. And so everything I manifested was to to echo that self-worth. The difference is some of us create a consciousness. And in that consciousness, we can now walk a path and it may take long. You know, we might be great teachers, but we struggle ourselves to overcome some of our challenges. That's perfectly fine. But the difference is we walk in a path. We question in every day, every week, every month, are we changing that, that, that context? But I'm 100% the same with you. I had a dad know i know your dad you know i don't know that i don't remember getting any um you know real sort of positive affirmation from my dad today i do ironically i don't know if your dad is still around but mine you know still around and he's very proud of me and you know and and like it's 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 kind of like too much too late it just means our relationship now is a lot better but it didn't exactly change what happened as a child back in the day dad (laughs) yeah exactly look and it's not his fault he didn't know he was dealing with his own demons you know he was dealing with his own breaks Yeah, I'm not blaming. I'm just noticing, right? Yeah, no, but it's very true. I mean, you and I have that a very kindred factor. And so it's been a long journey to try and build up from that. And it took me a long time to realize my fear of abandonment, my, my you know, lack of, um, you know, I mean, I still probably do things way beyond necessary to try and get the acknowledgement and attention of certain right. people around me. And and you mm-hmm. know, but it's again, awareness is the ultimate tool to resolve in it. You know, and I mean, I'm so glad to be meeting you, Rock, because I think in this time of my life, you're a kind of mentor that I want in my life now as well. As I get to the stage where suddenly a lot of the things are falling into place, but it looks like even on a personal level, we have a lot. You have a lot more to share with me as well. So I'm very grateful for that.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think these are the type of conversations that I would have avoided later because I was trying to be that person on stage saying I figured it all out. <laughs> yeah, is that. You know, I've figured out elements of it, but at the same time, I've been driving a car with one foot on the brake and it's been a grind and it's been difficult and I'm just like, why by this stage of my life, am I still pushing so hard? And so I started to do different work and, you know, including trips to India and meditating and different things. And eventually you peel back some layers and it starts to fall in place. And then you're all of a sudden you're just like, okay, I get it. I just really did not feel like I was enough. And so when good opportunities
0: came to me, I pushed them away. Yeah. And and you do it at a subconscious level. So like I said, I was doing such right things as a youngster. I mean, I was like raved about by media and the music industry and all this kind of stuff. But it didn't matter what I did, the actual outcome was a disaster. And and, it, and it's so funny because I tell people now, you know, now I'm, I'm pedantic about filling rooms. All right. So there's a self-worth thing about me to get as many people in front of people, as you know. And, and it's so funny how in those days in the music industry, like we didn't have computers and internet and social media so you'd like put up posters all over town and then you would just sit outside the club and hope people arrive and I used to pace up and down, like as a 19 year old, up and down the club, because I just wanted my, the band I represented who I believed in to get the recognition. And for that, first and foremost, they need an audience. And so, so often we wouldn't get the audience that we wanted. And it's so funny how you ask my team now, how like I, I'll, I'll have a room of 5,000 and I'll be upset because there's 400 chairs that are, are not filled at the back. You know? <laughs> it's like, I don't think we'll ever be satisfied. But the thing is, it's just, it's just channeled from that, that context. And it's so funny how you can actually recognize those parallels from a young age that are still there. And, you know, a friend of mine is a well-known psychiatrist, and he said, Brian, he said, look, we're all broken. And and he said, we're never going to all get, fi- I mean, we're not going to get fixed. There's, you don't live long enough to fix all the breaks. But if we can create, firstly, that awareness and be okay with it, and then work on our own journey. And just like you said, Rock, I think we, in an industry where there's a lot of kind of, you know, masculine, just go out there and do it. And, you know, like, it's like all this kind of energy, but actually our stuff needs a lot more sort of reflection a lot more one-on-one a lot more personal a lot more peace a lot more feminine energy i found you know that brought out a lot of those 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 background issues that you don't even think were an issue until you start to put the pieces together and it starts to flow. So if people don't walk that journey, you know, and that's why I always say when people say, I'm a human behavioral specialist and entrepreneurial specialist, I don't teach a lot about business. I mean, I've got incredible experts and I've got all the models and stuff like that, but I know that's going to make no difference in anyone's life unless they walk that journey of really finding out who they are and becoming a better version of themselves.
1: Yeah. I, I really appreciate what you just said, because you really touch on the fact that you can have 5000 people in the room 20000 people in the room but if you choose to focus on the 10 missing seats at the back then you're still living from that place of not enoughness versus being more gracious and yeah. trusting and you know i think that people live mostly in the past and mostly in the future and they do it in two different ways i'd be curious to see where you live mostly but you know we can live in the future worrying trying to control things we can't control or imagining things are going to be great to take us out of the moment of pain right now. Or we can live in last year's victories, feeling good about a success in the past, or we can live with regrets. And so then we either live in pain or in pleasure because we seek something that isn't in the moment. But standing Mm -hmm. in that room looking at the 5,000 people and just going, you know what? It's amazing. 4,996 people that are here, what a blessing. And those are the people that are meant to be here. And I gave it my all,
0: and I did pretty darn good. And so that's, I mean, from a personal perspective as well, I realized, like, in relationships, you talk about intimacy. And I was always projecting. I'd get into a relationship, and then I'm projecting where it's supposed to go. And then it's never going to live up to my expectation, because I don't know. I have some fantasy. I don't even know living in the moment is such a profoundly powerful thing. And, you know, we can learn from the past and we definitely want vision in terms of where we're going, but to live in that state of worry and concern or that state of regret is some of the most disempowering states we can be in. And learning to live in the moment in all aspects of life. We'll wake up in the morning, just join the sunset it's, or the sunrise because it's rising then. Um, is definitely something, you know, we've all got to learn. And I think that definitely helps shift a lot of stuff. So, yeah, we definitely can inspire. So I think we have a, a similar journey that we can sort of relate to. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very powerful. So tell us about the projects
1: you're working on now, because you've got quite a, quite an online following and you're impacting a lot of lives. Tell us what that project's all about.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I had the Real Entrepreneur was a kind of coaching, training company for entrepreneurship and then we had something called Real Success, which was an events promotional company based in South Africa. We were promoting Tony Robbins globally and stuff, and we were promoting certain internationals coming to South Africa. And then we were we were kind of innovative, not innovative but a bit cutting edge by broadcasting our stuff to multiple countries as well, but still maybe 14 countries. When COVID hit like many companies, you know, we were like, oh, okay. And we weren't actually doing that well. So the truth is it was like, oh okay, well this puts an instant break on everything it ended up being the greatest blessing for us because we'd always said we wanted to be digital. We always said we wanted to be global. So we transitioned and it actually started with us saying, listen, you know, our highest value is connection. So we don't know what we're going to do financially. Our business could be destroyed. For we know, a lot of people are unsure. But if we actually believe in connecting people to learning journeys, shouldn't we go to our teachers, who are also, as I realised, suffering because they were all scared as to what was going to happen, and say, let's just talk to our communities and let's just, you know, talk about the situation and help people, you know, deal with anxiety and you know what they're potentially going to go through. And no one knew at the time. And um, and ironically, we we did this kind of you know I contacted in eight days. I hate taking time to do things sometimes, which is so crazy. But anyway, it was eight days from concept to doing the actual event, and um, and we put about six or seven thousand people that came on you know, and and we had I think twenty nine teachers. Um, and and it was, and then, but the teachers were struggling. So we said, listen, sell some eBooks, some low cost stuff and whatever, along the short of it we made a hundred thousand dollars, which was completely unexpected. Like our intention wasn't even to make money. And then we realized, wait a minute, we might be onto something here. And so we spent the whole of last year refining the model, building it, getting to work with bigger teachers and really owning a space that a lot of big companies that own the stage spaces, we've become very, really, really good at this online space. And personally, that's what I love. I wanna be able to live anywhere in the world and do anything. I don't wanna to have to be in specific places all the time. And so, um, you know, that's been a major thing for us. And we built, you know, we did a couple of million dollars in revenue last year. And I say revenue, cause we didn't make profit. First month of this year, we're already making almost $300,000 profit in one month. And so, and that's just off the model, refining, 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 and then implementing. And I think the key thing is, you know, we we blessed. And, you know, this is a, a state of humility that I think is very powerful for us as well when we grow because it's very easy to become arrogant. But um, we blessed because we, we I think a lot of intentions were set over the last few years and those intentions have materialized. With a lot of personal work, a lot of personal work, a lot of personal work for my team, for people around me. And I want to be clear, just like you say, Rock, success is not just because I persisted and persisted and persisted. Success is because I worked on myself extensively, especially over the last sort of 18 months. Um, and now, you know, now we get to host these events. So we got one, we pretty much host one every month, um, you know, with, with sort of 30, 40,000 registrants, 10 to 12,000 people coming live into the room, featuring amazing speakers like yourself. There's Brown Deepak Chopra. Uh, we've 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 been quite blessed, and the word's getting out there slowly, and the world has opened itself up. And there's a beautiful humility amongst first world and third world countries, and no one cares where you come from anymore. You know, we all we're all kind of in our same challenge, and it's beautiful to have people from such a diverse. We've had 130, 100, over over almost 140 countries in a room simultaneously, you know, and it's like unbelievable to think that so many people from so many different backgrounds will come in. And, and so, you know, we've managed to find a place to do that. And that's what we love to do. I, it's not about I don't need to be on stage. I re, even now, I've got other people to present it. I, I just want to connect people on learning journeys. I want people to discover what we've discovered. And I just want to put as many people into that environment for them to discover that as possible and then hopefully connect with them as, as many great choices of people they can work with. And that's where my absolute love comes from. You know, it's, it's not filling the room per se, but it's, filling, it's getting as many of those unconscious or semi-conscious minds to become more conscious. That's what it's about for me so we're very blessed so being in the you know beautiful position of meeting a lot of these speakers and
1: having them speak on your platform is there anybody that you've interacted with that you could share an insight or an appreciation for somebody that you're like you know what i really enjoyed working with this person meeting that person or that person's energy or just an insight from some of these individuals that a lot of people have read their books but maybe haven't had the contact you've had
0: yeah, I've been, I mean, we've been very blessed. And because we have a kind of value and connection, we're very blessed that most teachers that come in our space have a, we, we call it a, an authentic approach to teaching, which is ultimately for the love. But we always say with a high with high standards, now, not all of them have high standards, meaning the ability to materialize, you know, financial flow through it is not always as good, especially when their corporate legs were cut out and whatever. You. But, you know, my personal favorite's always been Dr. Dimarcini I've known Dr. John now for, I think, 15 years and you know it was the first time i ever heard anything about wealth creation was i toured john around south africa good 13 14 years ago and you know i put him on three different stages in three cities and he and he spoke about the simple model of understanding around wealth creation the same model we, we all teach but from a basic level and it was like and, and, and it took me five years before I even implemented my first step based on the model. I got it right then and then. It made so much sense. I even told people about it. I even taught about it. I did audio programs on it. But you know, five years later, I'm like, oh, maybe I should actually take action on this. <laughs> but I love John not just for that, just because the power of understanding values and being authentic to yourself. Is such a critical component to creating flow in your life. And John is a genius in many ways. He's a polymath. He's you know he was told he'd never read, write, or communicate. Now he's written masses of books and he travels the world and teaches at a very high level. But um, but there's that you know there's a congruence. I think all of us learning to be authentic in a world that has become so unauthentic is really a big part of the the thing. And the the authentic us is by far the best version of us, not the one that's trying to be like everyone else. And so I've always loved John for that work. You'll see that we always teach that context in in any of our our summits. And so many people have never heard of him go like, oh my goodness, this is so crazy. Um, And it's a beautiful starting point because if you can find out what's truly most important to you and you can mold your life around that, from my experience, that's when the law of attraction kicks in. That's when you can actually be going through your emotional turmoil, but things still work out for you. Like miracles still happen around you, even while you're going through your own emotional right. turmoil, if, or by my experience. And, and I think that this is, you know, everyone wants to know, what's my purpose, why am I here, And there is actually a very clear picture of what that is when you take all the murk away. So his work in that space uh, has been amazing and has been transformational for so many people around me.
1: Yeah, it makes you think you walk calmly through the eye of the storm and life isn't supposed to maybe just all, you know, roses and cherries and and no, no adversity. It's the ability to, you know, to dance with that and to work through it in the highs and lows and to observe it. I've learned recently and I and you probably know this, but is we are not actually the creator of our own thoughts. We are the receiver of our thoughts. And as as we as we feel and behave and focus on things that make us feel bad, we're gonna attract that law of attraction, right? And as we allow and we do the work and we quiet the mind, we allow for better receptivity of better thoughts and then, then we can manifest and create. So it's, I think, subtle because I've studied like you personal development for a long time and maybe people need to hear it from different people different ways until it finally lands like it did for me and maybe for you. So I think it's worth repeating. And, and does that resonate with you?
0: No, 100%. I mean, I always joke I'm the slow learner. I need to get things a hundred times sometimes. But I mean, it's, it's 100%, you know, to me, there's an element of flow when you find, when you find a kind of true connection. So your life's always gonna be going up and down in turmoil, but there's a true connection. Like I've been pretty steady on this connection of connecting people, learning journeys, global basis. This has been what gives me my fulfillment in life. This is based on my voids. This is who I am. You know, this is my values of connection, learning and travel. So, you know, the context, I couldn't travel last year, but I connected with 140 countries and I moved cities. <laughs> but I mean, still, you know, it's like, like the point is, I found that the more authentic you are to that, your journey opens up. And then if the more you actually allow, almost like a natural flow, the kind of overthought flow of trying to dominate things just seems to cause chaos. But when you things happen, like you meet somebody, and that person might not be anything ideal in your ideal mind of what that person should be, but you know there's lessons you can learn from them, and they came into your life for a reason, and you actually go with that flow, and you live in that moment. That's truly where power lies. But you've got to be an authentic person. You can't be a person trying to pretend to be something you're not, because then, of course, you're just going to attract all the stuff that's going to knock you. So I think when you find that in, that ability, like you said, to live in the now and actually just be fascinated by things that happen, you know, without actually being concerned. Even when a bad thing happens, you go, that's as fast. And I wonder what this is gonna teach me. And it, and it soon starts to show itself to you. I do think, you know, life life is energy. Life is, is a big collective web of, you know, stuff. And, and, you know, everything influences everything, but we are 100% in control of our ability to manifest and to, and to build a life that we want. And it's, there's no perfection. There's no actuality in this physical life on this planet. But the point is, you know, I love the term blessed. I'm not a religious man at all. And, you know, John uses it all the time. He says, I'm, I'm like, you like, how are you, John? He says, I'm truly blessed. Because when you recognize how many great opportunities every day come into your life and how much they serve you, you start to realize the blessing of life. And that's when things start to make a lot more sense, so.
1: Well, Brian, I love the fact that you're so authentic and natural in our conversation. So thanks for joining us today on Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. We could talk for hours and hours and it's the beginning of a relationship for us. And I feel um, I feel a kinship, and and we're similar in age. You're you're a little younger than I am, but we um, we had some similar backgrounds, and thus developed some sim- similar coping mechanisms. And then we're clearing mm-hmm. the fog and moving through to higher ground. So it'll be a fun journey together. Do you have a favorite quote or a favorite book to uh, close us out today?
0: Um. Wow. Well, um, So, and I just want to be clear by the guys, guys, when I said, you know, I love Dr. Demartine, I mean, Les Brown is amazing. Jack Canfield is amazing. I get the privilege of hearing so many people, every one of my speakers I sit and listen to, and I'm amazed by, you know, their humility. I'm amazed by the the power of what they've achieved. Um, And and I always have to say that with John, because John's my personal favorite, but I learned from 30, 40 different teachers, you know. Um, But I mean, if you were, if I was going to say, go out and get a book that will really influence your life. It would actually be John's latest book called The Values Factor. Just really go and explore this concept. I know people want to almost back, you know, they almost want to deny it because people don't like that element of certainty. But if you realize that every one of us has a set of values and they're defined by our our voids and we can recognize them, they're actually within us, our brain knows what they are and there's an understanding as to why this works from everything from quantum to physiology, to every aspect, it's profound. And this man, uh, has to me probably created the greatest understanding in that space and the greatest way to use it as a tool. So The Values Factor by Dr. Martini, I would recommend. Um, but there's many other books. I mean, I, I, I don't read as much as I listen, but I think I've got 400 audio books on this. <laughs> it's like, you know, and there's like, like Les Brown, you, if you're feeling down in a day, just go and listen to Les. Yeah,
1: well, Les Brown is a classic and there are so many, of course, but I love what you said and, you know, sometimes you have a favorite for, for uh, a year or two and then you shift, right? Like for a while I was with Tony Robbins Hardcore, then I shifted for a few years to T.R. Becker, then I came back to Tony and, and now I'm uh, going to be doing an event um, with uh, uh, Joe Dispenza, right? So it's just sometimes you need okay. to hear a different voice at a time. So uh, I want to thank you for being a voice in and on our podcast today. Thank you so much. If people want to contact you, we may have some amazing speakers here that may want to learn about your platform and possibly um, do what I'm doing is be one of your speakers. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um,
0: So if you want to know whatever summit's happening, the latest one will always be at realsummits.com. But um, to contact us is probably easiest to go into any of the social medias. Just look for Real Success Network real success network. You'll find it on Instagram and Facebook and what have you. And our team actually monitor that so you can contact them.
1: Okay, beautiful. And if you are listening to this and you like it, please subscribe and write us a review. We always appreciate that. Helps us move up the rankings so we can continue to attract beautiful guests like Brian Walsh. And I want to thank you for joining us today on Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. We'll see you on the next episode.
0: So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.